This is the best, 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 best practices in education and Odyssey School podcast. Let's fly away in a cloud. We'll go down to Odyssey. We'll learn some cool new things and new opportunities. Because Odyssey is made of magic, made of magic. This podcast aims to offer professional resources, practical tools, and inspiring conversations to teachers and parents in their quest for excellent education. And the trees are rainbow, and you'll see the corn every now and then because that's not weird at all. Welcome to Best Practices, an Odyssey School podcast. My name is Corey Adams, and I'll be your host. Today, we're joined by third and fourth grade team teachers Robin Skeen and Carly Penny. Ladies, welcome back to the show. Hello. Hi, it's nice to be here. Before we get into our best practices topic for the day, let me share a little bit more about your respective backgrounds for our listeners. Robin received her undergraduate degree from the University of Akron in early childhood education. Later, while raising two young daughters, Robin finished her master's in curriculum and instruction with a focus on reading. Carly graduated Meredith College and furthered her education through the University of North Carolina Asheville and Western Carolina University. Carly is a gifted specialist for elementary and middle grades. Both women have been teaching children since 2000. So let's get started with the topic, which is mastery learning. Can one or both of you share what that term means to you and why you're choosing to focus on it this year? Mastery learning is something that has come, we've always desired to do, and it became necessary this year when we learned that we were going to be teaching part at home, part at school, possibly full at home, possibly fully at school, not really knowing what the school year was going to look like this year. So Carly was the first one to suggest that we should maybe rethink the way we're teaching and the way we are evaluating students and, um, and planning what we're teaching. So we developed this program in which they're watching video students, watching videos and doing work and then coming to school and going deeper and learning more deeply what they learned about at home. And a lot of what we are doing is um, checking for mastery by starting from the beginning, thinking, what do we want them to know? Mm. Do we want them to um, know how to, you know, whatever, whether it's science or social studies or math, what do we want them to know at the end and then plan back from there? And then we check for their mastery as they're learning. Wow, it sounds very complicated. So let me kind of back up and just ask, what what is the goal of this? What's the goal of mastery learning? So Robin and I actually wrote a goal, and here is the language that we used. We said that the goal uses the blended model to meet students where they are and challenge them to thoroughly understand, apply, and create within the learning standards by being metacognitive and resourceful. So the way we start mastery learning is by implementing backward planning, which is what Robin was just talking about. And so we plan that assessment first, and hopefully the assessment transfers knowledge to a new situation. So that would be the ultimate assessment. And um, sometimes we're there. 
<laughs> and yeah. Um, can you share a little bit just so our listeners get a sense of sort of the on the ground way it looks like, what does that assessment look like for your kids as you're starting a new topic in say math? So we would look at those, um, standards that we want to teach and that they want, we want them to know. And then we would plan an assessment around that. Mm -hmm. And, um, first so that, Everything that they do in their learning experiences that we design, um, it needs to focus on what we're going to assess at the end. Mm. And also the backward planning, actually, if you um, sometimes we can allow the students to use that technique um, for a project and it helps them to practice their time management skills and Mm. to be able to. Um, say, well, if if this is the day where we need to finish, what's before that and what's before that and what's before that? So you mentioned the blended learning, and that's a topic I think that's getting a lot of play this year with COVID. And how is that working in your classroom specifically? Um, the way that they're learning through video and through in-person learning is has been really wonderful in that we are able, especially when they're at school, we can actually train them to how to learn from a video and watch them learning from a video while we're there. And, you know, they direct them to Google Classroom, they open up their Google Classroom, they go to a video that they need to watch, and it could be specific for that student. We can make different videos for different kids at different times, so everybody's learning exactly what they need to know. And we are there to walk around and help them if they have any questions instead of where we in the past we would sit with a group and try to work with them while the rest of the class was working independently and you're getting interrupted a lot so nobody's really getting your full attention but this way kids can um just focus on what they need to know if they need to go faster in a video and skip a part they can if they need to go back and watch a video again they can if they have a question they can go back to a certain part of the video and If there's something that they're just like, I still don't get it, you can just sit down with them one-on-one and use something else, another tool to teach them. And then they're all getting what they need. This also um, works with group activities as well. So it doesn't have to be just one-on-one. So groups of students, if they're if they're working on a project together and they get stumped and can't answer each other's questions, then they can they can go to a video too. And if that still doesn't work, then then um, teacher is right there. So I hear that one of the things that this is offering is a lot of flexibility in terms of differentiating in your classroom. Is that the case? Definitely. And and also flexibility in how you're using your classroom overall, because I know that as teachers so far this year, you guys have moved between an A-B schedule where you're half at campus and a half not with uh, around 50% of students in each group. And then now on campus full time, and you're still using that blended model. And it, has it been seamless, that transition? Oh, um, well, there's, there's definitely been uh, difficult times, but it's, we anticipate that it'll make it so much easier uh, when or if we do have to go home. And, um, yeah, 
that's kind of what we're always thinking about. It, and it did happen personally for me where my kids were sick and just as a precaution, I had to be home. And it was I was able to really access the kids by making a video and having them watch it. And they already knew how to do that, even though they were at school and I was at home. And so it's it's a model that can just work in any way that, that might come up, um, which is why it's important this year. And this is called a flipped classroom model. And um, you can use videos right in the beginning to introduce subjects or in the in your initial lecture, and um, and you can also use the videos for reteaching. And a little bit about the videos, we um, we watched something about how to make the most effective video and learned that they should never be more than six minutes long. Um, we use Loom. I don't know if we should. Like Loom is a is a resource that's for free, and if students sign in onto Loom, you can see when they've watched your video. So even if you're not with them, you know if they watched it or not, and they can make comments on your video, which is sometimes not a great idea for third grade. <laughs> and um and sometimes I've used Screencast-O-Matic, and that's a good quick one as well. That's great. I love giving out some resources that folks who are interested can really dig into. Do you have any tips about creating the videos? And I know, so now we're sort of on eight months of using technology in a new and different way. And so I'm wondering, how is the video making going? I would say that it goes really pretty well as long as you realize that um, if you make a mistake, just keep going, acknowledge the mistake, keep going. It's a real learning experience for students to see that things don't come out perfectly and that's okay. Yeah. Or if you're making a video from home and your dog starts barking, that's a really nice thing that they're like, Oh, look (laughs) at my dog. You know, they all have dogs at home. They know. And sometimes their dog will start barking then at your video if they're at home too. And it's, it's like, you can't make it perfect, but it's, it's human to Mm -hmm. just be, you know, in the classroom, nothing goes perfectly as you're teaching. So sure. And even when you're like, if you have your voice on the video, even if it's not your face, if you have your hand in the video, even if it's not your face, it's still building that um, relationship with the child. So they feel more connected to you, even if you're not at school. I'm curious about planning time for both of you. So in terms of how you're planning both on AB and now on site full time, what is the load like and how are you managing that yourselves? I will say that at first when we came back 100%, it was really difficult to make myself make a video because I had been doing that so much. And I was like, whoo, okay, I don't have to do that. And um, then it became harder in the classroom. And it really does make a difference to just go ahead and make the videos. And um, again, they don't have to be perfect. So that doesn't take that much time, but you do have to plan for them. Yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot of after school time. And um, personally, I have a one-year-old this year. So I try to get home to feed him before he goes to bed. (laughs) And so I end up kind of uh, going home, spending time with family, putting him to bed, and then kind of doing more things at at home, which I kind of enjoy doing. It's just like calm, like going over what they've done or working on the mastery tracker, which is something we should talk about. Mm-hmm. Ooh, yeah, that sounds <laughs> so interesting. Our but fa- I would, our favorite uh, thing. I will say one more thing about the workload. Um, I work until 
about five or five thirty and um and then I'm done for the day and in the morning I just get up early and work for about an hour and a half or two hours in the morning and so it has making videos has added to the workload is what I'm hearing yes but it saves loads of time because I tend to run on in lectures and no one wants that <laughs> and also so it's it's forcing you to be succinct yes that's great. My uh, another question, I know we're going to come back Robin, but my other question was just does that mean that now you'll have some of those to refer back to? So in the same way that when you're teaching for the first year you're sort of building a library of videos that you can use. Is that the case? That's exactly what I was going to say that I'm making a whole series of cursive videos doing a couple letters at a time. I won't have to make those again. Yeah. They will I'll be able to use those for years. And just say, go look at your cursive video and do your cursive stuff. I think that's the key for keeping those videos six minutes or less. That means you're probably cutting out some things that are detail oriented pertaining to the very specific lesson you're teaching. And so you can, um, you know, use them again. Yeah. I try to remember to cut out things like now you're going to go to lunch because like that's just appropriate for that day, but in the future it won't be. (laughs) Sure. So let's get to the mastery tracker. I love <laughs> trackers. I, I'm one of those people who loves feedback. And I know actually kids do too. Yeah. And for teachers that can help us know kind of where our students are. So tell us what is the mysterious mastery tracker? I don't know if I realize how much I love data before this year. I Me really too. do. It's <laughs> I, I so much fun. I'm a little bit of a scientist in some ways, um, but they... The mastery tracker is this wonderful, it's actually just a Google device. It's Google Sheets, Sheets, which is like the Excel, Google version of Excel. And Carly is a wizard of Google (laughs) Sheets. And it's just where we keep all of the information of the tracking or of their mastery. When they master a standard, that's where we put it. Do you want to explain more what it is? Yes. So there are many different... Uh, tabs in our mastery tracker Google sheet and um, and we will have like for instance Carly's math and then another one will be Robin's math and it goes on like that for the different subjects Um, one thing that we're doing is we have a um, per subject we have um, a column that says challenges. And so anytime that anything comes up, that's a challenge for a student as we're going through and, um, and putting in grades or notes, however we're using the tracker, um, we can actually put in what, what are those specific challenges. So when it comes time to write narratives or like, for instance, do a report card, if you're doing those, then all of your information is just right there. And that's something to note that we don't do grades in elementary school here at Odyssey. So we are, we're needing to just notice if they're understanding something or if they're struggling with something so we can write it in their narrative report. Mm-hmm. Right. And, um, and in fourth grade in our school, it's, it's kind of like a bridge to grades classroom because um, in fifth grade they get grades. So, so we want to talk about that a little bit in fourth grade. Do you have any final words of wisdom for teachers who are interested in trying mastery learning with their students? 
Yes, I do. I, w- I would like to say be patient with yourself. And if you, if you do um, begin, just realize that you're going to mess up and that's okay. Just, just kind of keep getting back and, and keep doing it and keep trying. And it just keeps getting easier. That's what I said to Carly. I said, if this takes us five years to really master, that's okay. So yes. you're going to master mastery learning. Yes. yes. <laughs> by persisting. Mm-hmm. So on that note, uh, oh, <laughs> on that note, uh, thank you both for joining us today. It was wonderful to hear about the work you're doing. Thank you. Thank you. And please join us next week for another episode of Best Practices in Education and Odyssey School Podcast. This has been Best Practices in Education and Odyssey School Podcast. It was recorded here in our music studio in Asheville, North Carolina at Odyssey School, engineered by our music director, River Gargarian, and the original theme music was created by the Misfits of Cragberry, an Odyssey student band. Let's fly away in a cloud. Odyssey is made of magic, made of magic, made of magic.